0: Melekalikimaka is the place to be.
1: Shake it out,
2: baby. Shake Shake it it out. out.
0: The player's gonna play, play, play. play.
2: Got a singing ass Peter tonight. (laughs) I'm feeling festive. Guess who's back? Back again. Back again. (laughs) Mark is back.
0: Tell a friend. Guess who's back, guess who's back, guess who's back. Okay, Mark, I introduced you, (laughs) but uh, um, if you want...
3: Welcome to I Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, longtime guardian of sacred Christmas traditions and keeper of sacred Christmas promises. Like what? You're just going to have to keep listening to this episode and find out. All right, I'm in. You got me. <laughs>
2: I'm co host Jeremy. But today, I'm just a regular Luther Crank. Luther crank? From Christmas with the cranks?
4: Oh. Oh.
2: Just a regular one. Yeah. Just a regular Luther Crank. I'm thinking maybe I'll take this show to Hawaii instead of Christmas.
0: Based on what I'm looking at right now, standing across from you in your house, I can I can see that happening.
3: Yeah. What's he look like? Can you give us a visual picture here? Is he like full Hawaiian shirt, like beach mode recording this episode? What's going on <laughs> over there?
2: Well, I am, but I I also am bringing uh, a record that, you know.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Foreshadowing. It's the record that I'm staring at that's sitting on the console right in front of me that Leads me to believe he
3: is going that route. Hmm. Well, I'm disappointed he's not dressing the part as well. <laughs> it's a great podcast, really building the image.
4: Yes, yes. Well,
0: I am a co-host Peter Cook, owner of the experimental bike parts store, Zuzu's Pedals. Aww. <laughs> I, wasn't, you know, I thought you were going for, ah, but then it turned into an, ah.
2: <laughs> That's from... Maybe my only Christmas movie I like that's actually a Christmas movie.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense that you would be a fan of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I am too. And uh, I also am very excited, as are Sean and Jeremy, about the guests that we brought for our Christmas special this year, 2023. Joining us for the fifth time on I'd Buy That for a Dollar is a healthcare worker, record collector, and DJ based in Athens, Georgia. Welcome back. Mark Weathersby, a.k.a. DJ Mahogany. Mahogany.
4: I am glad to be back in the chair with you guys. And my name, once again, they've mentioned is DJ Mahogany. And I die hard to be home alone to keep my eyes wide shut for some Christmas jollies with you guys.
2: <laughs> Heck <Amazing>. yeah. <laughs> Peter and I are doing our our yearly viewing of Eyes Wide Shut right after this.
4: I wish I could be there. I wish I could be Aww. there. One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time.
2: I've also been watching Mr. Robot Season 4, which is a, a whole season of Christmas episodes. Wow.
0: Interesting. A, a whole season? <laughs> Of Christmas episodes,
2: <laughs> in, in that same way as Eyes Wide Shut, it's all like taking place during Christmas time,
0: but not a central theme.
2: Uh, a couple times it does kind of come in, but not not mainly. No, I have yeah, I have not yet
0: watched Mr. Robot. Isn't Christian Slater on that show? He is. He
2: is. <laughs> He's Mr. Robot, <laughs> doing his best Jack Nicholson as always.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Well, it's Christmas time, if you couldn't tell.
4: Merry Christmas, guys. (laughs) And Merry
3: Christmas to you,
4: Mark. Santa? Thank
3: you, Sean.
2: Every year, we bring a little sprinkle of Christmas magic to share with you. And we always respect the sacred order. Thereby, Sean,
3: what Christmas record have you brought us today? Well, as... I imagine every single one of our listeners will remember Uh, a few months back on our Alexander O'Neill episode, I made a Christmas promise. A promise that I would bring Alexander O'Neill's Christmas record to our Christmas episode this year. And I have done just that. Alexander O'Neill, my gift to you. (laughs) Wow.
0: Yes. Thankfully, we remembered that you made this (laughs) promise.
3: (laughs) I was so proud of myself for remembering we were talking about what records we were all going to pick. And I was like, guys, I feel like I promised on episode what record I would do. And that's the farthest I can remember. And I thought for sure my good friend Peter Cook, the, the memory man of this podcast, would be able to help me. But he was baffled. I had to figure it out. And thankfully, I did. I can keep my sacred Christmas promise.
0: Wow. Yeah. I was very impressed, Sean. I, since I listen to most episodes at least three times, I usually rem- remember most of what's said, but that one had just slipped away. But yeah. you did it. We got it together. And yeah, this is from 1988, I believe. Not, not too long after the record that we talked about last time, his debut from 85. This is prime Alexander
3: O'Neill. That is correct. 1988. This is his fourth or third album depending on how you count it he had the self-titled debut hearsay in 87 and then he dropped a hearsay remix album and then this christmas album uh, both those last two came out in 1988 this is on taboo records uh, a label that alexander o'neill had worked with a few times they also featured groups like the sos band and Sherelle close associations with the production team of jimmy jam and terry lewis who we discussed on the alexander o'neill episode uh, amazing minneapolis production team and they are the ones producing this album as well so let's go ahead and and hear a track shall we let us we're gonna go with that super funky cut from here this is the dance number sleigh ride side a track two
4: I don't think I don't think I could ever fucking top that. That was some top-notch <laughs> shit right there. Holy <laughs> shit.
3: I would have to agree with you, Mark. That's top-notch right there.
4: That was great. It
0: it has a it has this a similar energy and cadence to his hit song Fake from the previous year to this. It totally does. But that it's not goofy though. I, you know, I could easily see the, the jingle oh, uh... I could easily see the jingle bells. No, like I mean, okay. Maybe saying it's not goofy isn't quite right, but it still it has it still has a punch to it, despite that.
2: It has punch, but that's a corny fucking song. Right
3: <laughs> but yeah, I, I I kinda see what My you My heart grew three sizes smaller. <laughs> I see where you're going with that, Peter though. You see yeah, what I'm like saying? he he put real energy into this record. There are a lot of Christmas records done by artists who, you know, normally do non Christmas music. And oftentimes it's a bit of a throwaway, a quick cash grab, but you can just tell Alexander O'Neill, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they were putting in work on this record. Even if one of the originals is basically just a Christmas updated version of a previous hit, like they did it right.
0: Yeah. I, I, was actually surprised with this record, and I don't know what you're going to plan for your second selection, but I was surprised how much some of the songs sounded very much like Alexander O'Neill of that time, like they hit like that almost new jack swing sound that he was doing. And others have a much more traditional classic sound to them.
3: Yeah, the criticism I would see a lot in uh, looking up this record is people are like, oh, it just sounds exactly like the time. You can't, you know, the time it was recreated, not necessarily the time the band, although I guess both statements are true. <laughs> it sounds a lot like 1988. And the the common statement is just like, if you're not already into that exact sound, you're not going to be able to get this record. It hasn't aged well. Which I like agree with and disagree with, because to my ears, this record is amazing start to finish. I love pretty much every track on it. But the thing I was kind of thinking about in relation to that is this record does sound like the kind of thing I would have absolutely hated when I first started collecting soul music. You know, we've talked a lot in the show about how sometimes you got to just expose yourself to things for a while before you can understand it, especially you know, smooth R&B and like these kind of like pop vocalists, almost, you know, the the very vocal heavy kind of sound can be tough to get into, but now I love it. Come so far. Give me that. Give me all that corny, cheesy, smooth, late eighties R&B, Alexander O'Neill. I'm ready for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is masterful production of that of that time and of this ilk it's
3: uh Mm -hmm. airtight Mm -hmm. i love that on the covers he kind of strikes a perfect balance of recreating the vibe and changing his vocal style to match the original a little bit but also still giving it a little bit of that alexander o'neill minneapolis sound to it you know he does a great nat king cole on here he does a great donny hathaway can't say enough good things about this record
0: Yeah, the version of the Christmas song, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I almost I had to double check that I was still listening to the Alexander O'Neill album because it was such a drastic switch. You know, and he does start to sprinkle in some of those elements of late eighties production on there, but initially it sounds
3: like something out of the fifties. Yep, absolutely incredible singer. I mean, if there was ever any doubt about Alexander O'Neill's vocal talents, put on this record prove them wrong
4: based on that track alone i am totally going to track down that album i got mean, to i was shaking in my i was grooving in my seat well i just holy oh my god that track was just awesome the <laughs> minneapolis sound is so strong that got me pumped up that was awesome.
3: all right that's that's what i like to hear this record for me has a really interesting association and i wonder if jeremy's gonna remember this The first time I heard this album was actually in the summertime at an event called the Already Dead Summer Camp. I remember that. You don't remember hearing (laughs) Alexander O'Neill's Christmas record at some point during that chaos of a weekend? No, I don't remember that.
0: I have a suspicion that our old friend Alex Borazin had something to do with yes. that happening. a friend
3: of ours has not been on the show, so our <laughs> listeners will not know him. But the first time I was ever introduced to Alexander O'Neill at all was through my friend Alex Borzon, also known as AKB, or one half of the noise band Problems that Fixed Themselves. And he used to come into the record store I worked at in Kalamazoo and, like, give me shit for pricing the Alexander O'Neill records too cheap because, like, they were so good and had to be priced up so people would know. <laughs> that they were worth their weight in gold. And then uh, after like several occasions of this, and Alexander O'Neill is, you know, on the mind, I show up to this event, which was we had rented out a Boy Scout cabin and like a couple uh, sleeping houses and brought a bunch of our weirdo musician friends from the label Already Dead Tapes. And we had a weekend long jam session where we recorded the jams and just kind of hung out and, Got wild together. I believe Jeremy was uh, not his best yeah. self the majority of the weekend, <laughs> as <It> was I. <laughs> <laughs> there were some wild antics <laughs> taking place. Yeah, it was one of my worst selves <laughs> there. I'd
0: say. <laughs> we haven't talked about already dead tapes very much on the podcast, but it's a label that you were a co-founder of, Sean, and all of us have released music through that label. It's still going strong now, based in Los Angeles. Yes.
3: Uh, always been run by Josh Tabia, the other half of the band problems that fix themselves. And all of us have been associated in different ways, done some releases on there, helped with the label at times, but it's a, a Josh Tabia venture. Shout out. Anyway, already dead summer camp, Alex on. he's setting up the recording studio, getting all the mics plugged in. And the whole time he's doing that, he is just blasting the song Slay Ride on repeat. <laughs>
2: Jesus.
3: in i think july <laughs> august something like that like it was summer <laughs> summer camp but nobody cared because that song is just too damn funky everyone's like hell yeah i don't care that he's singing about a sleigh ride this is great you can play this as much as you want
0: yeah see i i stand by what i my initial assertion that it should be like it, it shouldn't work but it just jams so hard mm-hmm. that it, like i i was like shouldn't i be when i heard the them do the jingle bells thing that every christmas song feels the need to incorporate jingle bells into it i which and i don't i get so annoyed by that yet it was it was just in such a way that i'd never heard it done before
3: (laughs) yeah now i i want to talk about something with this song with you guys I was listening to it a few times today, getting ready, and I kind of noticed something that I really hadn't picked up on before. Do you guys think this song's about how Alexander O'Neill really wants to bang Santa Claus? <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> Mic drop. Boom. I mean, because like, if you read the lyrics, like, I guess you could make the argument that maybe he's trying to sing from a childlike perspective, but I'm pretty sure he just wants to, you know, Get picked up by Santa Claus and go for a sleigh ride, if you know what I mean.
4: Ooh. <laughs> wow. You hear the sound of Jingle Bells, right?
0: I don't know if I ever want you to analyze a Christmas song again, Sean.
3: <laughs>
0: I don't know if it's good for yourself mm. or our listeners.
3: <laughs> well, sound off in the comments. It can't just be me picking up on this. I... I... <laughs> I
0: hadn't listened that closely, and I don't want to now listen that closely.
3: But you're gonna have to, though.
0: Oh yeah, you've planted that. I look forward to listening back to this episode.
3: (laughs) Well, on that note, you guys want to hear another song?
4: Yes, please.
3: (laughs) All right, we're gonna we so we played one of the originals to start off, and I'm gonna play one of the covers. Tough to pick just two songs on this amazing record, of course, but we are gonna hear the immortal Donny Hathaway classic, This Christmas. We're talking side B, track three.
0: Yeah, that one's much more traditional soul. He's pretty faithful to the Donnie Hathaway version, yet still putting some Alexander O'Neill touch on it. But I don't I don't think this exclusively sounds like it's stuck in the late eighties or from beginning to end. Yeah,
3: I agree. It most of it is aged really well. And the stuff that does sound particularly eighties jams. Like, you know, what do you want? It's a great record. And you can really tell on that one, like we said, they have a lot of reverence for the material and they're, they're putting their best in
4: on this one. I'm sold. I'm sold. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I actually appreciate Alexander O'Neill as a vocalist more after listening to this record. Not that I disliked him before, but I I hear his range more
3: Yeah, Agreed. Versatile. Cool. So Jeremy. So Jeremy, it's my time, isn't it? It is your time. I hear you brought us a tropical Christmas record today.
2: I did. I brought Christmas in Hawaii by the Paradise Islanders. Cool. This is my ode to Christmas with the Cranks, where Tim Allen's character decides they should go to Hawaii or something instead of doing Christmas, and then they do Christmas. It's like exactly what you think that movie would be. If you haven't seen it already, you don't need to watch it. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, you're doing a (laughs) a tribute to it. (laughs) This is my tribute to it. Christmas in Hawaii. I'm going to start us with Silver Bells because, honestly, the thing that attracted me to this is that it's got a bunch of slide guitar, and I've been learning to play the slide guitar this year, so... I connected to it.
0: Yeah, our, our Patreon listeners are already familiar with this from our Santo and Johnny episode, but our non-Patreon listeners are now catching up. True. <laughs> Jeremy's becoming the slide man around
2: Kalamazoo. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on a slide kick, so <laughs> I'm going to start with Silver Bells. has some good call and answer in it, so this song uh, showcases the dual slide guitars nicely. Ooh, this is on Decca
3: Records. You guys want to take a guess what the cheapest copy of this on Discogs is right now?
4: 37 cents.
3: Do they do negative prices? <laughs> <laughs> cheapest copy? $60. Christmas music is so expensive now. $60? What? $60? There's two copies available on
2: Discogs. <laughs> I bought this in Chicago for $3.99, and that was the cheapest they sold records.
3: That's the beauty of Christmas music, though, right?
2: <laughs>
0: He's not saying that this isn't a worthy selection. He's just saying that Christmas music is hilariously overpriced online.
3: Wow. Yeah. Like, the median value is still not bad. I think there's just not many people that have ever tried to sell it, but maybe there was, like, a couple people that paid big money for it. I don't know. It's weird. Go ahead. Huh. Let's listen to it. I'm, I'm stoked. I love Hawaiian music. <sighs> okay. Side A, track two,
2: Silver Bells. Silver Bells.
3: Much like Mark's reaction to hearing the Alexander O'Neill record for the first time, I absolutely love that. I've got to find a copy. Christmas in Hawaii, that is completely up my alley. That kind of kitschy, exotica type sound with just like that, that uh, that weird Hawaiian vibe, you know? Laid back, kind of melancholy. It's great. That's one of the few kinds of music that
0: I can actually put on at night on a loop and just sleep through it It mellows me out Hawaiian Christmas music
3: that's the one kind that you can sleep to
0: (laughs) yes very specifically
3: (laughs) he's got a rare condition can't sleep unless those slide guitars are playing Christmas classics all night long
2: (laughs) that's adorable
3: little known fact yeah peek behind the curtain
4: (laughs) that was a mellow groove that totally made me sway and move I really really enjoyed that. That they brought a smile to my face as I was rocking back and forth. It was it was beautiful. I loved that.
2: Aw. I'm glad you guys dig it. I I was recently in the city of Chicago to see a metal band called Chat Pile and my humble brag, humble brag, my hotel was right next to Reckless Records, so I went into there and bought just like a Pile of Christmas records, and this is the only one that I didn't hate. <laughs> <laughs> but I I bought only from there. They had like a Christmas, like dollar bin. It was like underneath the records. We got to scrounge down there, and people are climbing around you and stuff. And it's part of the fun of it. It is part of the fun of it. Yeah, it's slide guitar. It's Christmas songs there's no singing on it it's all instrumental there's a few songs that are not that are originals
0: i think most of your christmas selections have been instrumental (laughs) christmas albums
2: (laughs) yeah almost exclusively Uh, yeah
0: often finger-picked guitar stuff this is a evolutionary step for you
2: yep (laughs) with the slide true i i gotta type This is made by the Paradise Islanders, which the back of the record just talks about, like, Hawaii and how cool it is and how great Christmas is. And then, it like, the last little sentence is, like, this was created by the Paradise Islanders. Makes, like, no mention of them or who they are on the record. Have you found out if they're even a real group? Well... I barely found that out. The only place I could find anything about the Paradise Islanders was hillbillymusic.com, who posted the only thing that they have found out about it is a postcard that a listener from a radio station received in 1935 (laughs) 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 that has a picture of the band and has the group members who are H.L. Coleman, Irene Laferriere, and Luella Laferriere. So it's sisters who are kind of like, uh, like Sano and Johnny counterparts.
0: And from much earlier, apparently.
2: <laughs> and yeah, well, this record, this record's from 61. It's hard to say when it was recorded, though. I assume around that time, but who knows? It doesn't <laughs> there's no information. Yeah, that's all I know about the Paradise Islanders. So if y'all know something, tell us. If that's like your grandma and her sister, let us know. <laughs> Great grandma, I don't know.
3: Uh not an uncommon thing, especially with these Hawaiian and similar novelty records for a band to be listed and absolutely no information to be on them at all and you never know like is it a band from the area that the label just did not care about actually promoting they just want to promote the idea of them but not them as artists is it studio musicians who are just making something that sounds vaguely like what they're going for you never know
2: I did surmise they're probably not from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. This postcard was from a radio station in Minneapolis. And some of the only recordings I could find by them were songs called Beautiful Ohio and Missouri Waltz. Interesting.
0: It sounds I mean, we're getting the early pre Alexander O'Neill, Minneapolis sound from this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just, I can see how this record in particular was a big influence on Alexander O'Neill.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis.
3: Yeah. They couldn't get enough of that Christmas in Hawaii. I would say that the majority of Hawaiian records you will find out there are not made by actual Hawaiians. It's kind of rare to find people who are making any kind of authentic Hawaiian music, especially from like this time period. But it is out there. Well,
2: I'm not going to belabor this any further because I don't have anything else to say. I'm just going to play another track. This one is called Malay Maka, which is the Hawaiian Christmas song. And that's side B track one.
0: I think they were contractually obligated to include a
2: version of that on this record i'm sure they probably built the record around that well that's about all the christmas spirit i can muster so i'm gonna hand the mic <laughs> off to you peter
0: all right just like that it's my turn so this is funny my selection i don't think it occurred to me when i was first deciding what i would feature for our Christmas special this year, when I settled on this record, it did not occur to me that our guest was also the person who clued us into the, the, the greatness behind the one and only Johnny Mathis. <laughs> and, oh. and guess, yeah. Yeah. Mark, you came on a, a couple years ago and, you know, set the record straight for us on, on the fact that, uh, Johnny Mathis is not to
4: be overlooked, the unofficial king of the dollar bins, in my opinion. I love Johnny Mathis so much. I'm thank you, Peter. Oh my gosh, yeah. And
0: so I it, once I realized, once I put it together that you were coming on, I was I messaged you and said, Mark, you're not you're not considering this one,
4: are you? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, no, I, actually, I wasn't. I wasn't considering Johnny Mathis. But it's it's a beautiful choice. I'm glad that you chose Johnny Mathis' as Christmas album for this.
0: Yeah, and we should be clear which one it is, because this is one of six Christmas albums oh yes. dear God,
2: that he has released. <laughs> My opinion just got a lot worse of John Mathis. I thought he was your favorite athlete. You're right. You're
0: right. It hasn't changed in regards to his athletic prowess, just his musical output. Yeah, I respect
2: his athletic career more now.
0: (laughs) This was the first one that he did. Merry Christmas is the name of this album that came out on Columbia in 1958. (laughs) And yeah, he he has just, he's not only the king of the dollar bin, but yeah, he seems to be the, the king of the Christmas release. He has a new one out this year. Thank God. What in the world?
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> he's 88 years old and he's still cranking out the Christmas albums.
4: <laughs> wow. Yes. Yes.
3: I would vote that this record, the Nat King Cole Christmas record, and like the Bing Crosby are probably three of the most iconic christmas album covers that you see all the time in the bins in my mind at least i don't know how you guys feel about that statement i would
4: agree with that i would agree with that
3: yeah for like this classic era of christmas you know
0: yeah johnny's got his skis he's
3: he's ready to go skiing Mm -hmm. i love this album cover it's so so goofy it's so fun (laughs)
0: It sold over 5 million copies, so that might be one of the reasons you, you see, it, see it so often. It's still out there. <laughs> wow. It's
3: never going away.
0: <laughs> it's one of the best-selling Christmas albums of all time. Well, before we go any further, let's just play a song. I was going to play his rendition of Blue Christmas. Wow. Well, because, uh, Jeremy, there just aren't enough sad Christmas songs out there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be able to at least agree with that sentiment. That's true. So let's go with Blue Christmas, Side A, track four.
5: I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue thinking about you decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't mean a thing if you're not here with me I'll have a blue Christmas that's certain, and when that blue heartache starts hurting, you'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. Won't mean a thing. If you're not here with me, I'll have a blue Christmas. Back- well
0: wow, Jeremy was feeling that. He was singing along impassioned.
2: <laughs> True, but I'm not buying that version. Really? He, he sounded happy. I could sense it <laughs> underneath his and like the undertones of his voice, there was some
3: happiness. You can't suppress that comforting glow. He's got a voice like a warm bath, you know? It's like he can't turn it off. Yeah. It's just so oh, charming. It's so beautiful.
4: Wow. A voice like a warm bath. That is one of the best descriptions of Johnny Mathis's voice ever. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> I'm guessing that most of us are familiar with the Elvis Presley version of that song. Who's that?
3: Yes. Explain it to me. Who's that? <laughs> In a nutshell.
0: <laughs> Let's derail the episode with an explanation of who Elvis Presley is.
3: <laughs> Seems like a problematic figure. Explain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, his that version was, the Johnny Mathis version was quite different from Elvis's version. And I looked into a little bit of the history of the song, and I'd like to share it. With both the co host, guest, and our listeners, if you're okay with that at this point.
3: All of us at the same time? Wow. All right. Yes.
0: Yes, this is for everyone. So it was written by songwriters Jay Johnson and Billy Hayes. Jay Johnson was a script and commercial jingle writer for radio in the 1940s, and he commuted daily by train from his home in Stamford, Connecticut to New York City. And so one day he was headed toward the Big Apple and the holiday season was just around the corner and Jay Johnson pulled out an old piece of hotel stationery at the time Irving Berlin's white Christmas was being used in many of the radio shows on which he worked and, you know, the popularity and success of that song. He was thinking about that along with just the tremendous impact of blues music during the 1940s and he thought of the idea of substituting the word blue for white in a Christmas song and developed a new song along those lines. He, so, so he scribbled down some ideas on the train that morning and spent several days drafting up lyrics to a song. And then he met up with friend and composer Billy Hayes to put music to it. So the song was first recorded in 1948 by Doy O'Dell, who was a Texas-born country singer, who hosted a TV show called Western Varieties on pioneering country music television channel KTLA in Los Angeles? That version went rather unnoticed, but Ernest Tubb, the Texas troubadour, popularized the song when he recorded it in 1949. It, by most accounts, it was the first country Christmas music standard. And its popularity seemed to grow every year. By the mid-1950s, any country act worth its salt was including Blue Christmas in their November and December set lists. But the version, of course, that most people know is Elvis Presley's 1957 cover, which was different from Ernest Tubbs' version and pretty much everyone else's. And the reason that that happened, reportedly Elvis wanted to style his after Ernest Tubbs' version he wanted to cut it straight country style, but his New York producer, Steve Sholes wouldn't have any of that. This irritated Elvis. And on a break, while Sholes had stepped away for a few minutes, Presley instructed the musicians in the session, along with the backup singers, the Jordanaires and Millie Kirkham, to veer away from the arrangement and make the cut so bizarre that Sholes would hate it and scrap the entire track. Which is I feel like this is something you, you we hear about often, where much to everyone's surprise, the producer loved this off the wall rendition, <laughs> and that became the biggest hit, biggest
2: version of Blue Christmas. That's such like a seven year old boy thing to do. like, oh, he walked away. Let's do it bad. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> he'll never notice true. <laughs> So the Elvis version came out about a year before this Johnny Mathis record, correct?
0: Yeah, it would have been a pretty recent hit when Johnny Mathis did his version. But he seems to actually do it more in a... I would say it's a little more faithful to the country style than the Elvis version. But, of course, it has all those uh, strings on it, courtesy of Percy Faith and his orchestra.
3: The original string man. And... That's right. Percy Faith and his orchestra.
0: That's another inside joke for our patrons.
3: (laughs) We did have not explained. All right. Real quick to explain for our listeners. This is a a fun bit you can do when you're out collecting records. Just name uh, a collaborating artist or like an artist with a band and read it loudly in a way that implies that it's some kind of legendary collaboration that has never happened before like like you can't believe that these two artists are together percy faith and his orchestra daryl hall and john oates holy crap
0: oh my goodness england dan and john ford
3: coley (laughs) yep you got it peter
4: that was great I'm going to have to do that now and I'm digging for records.
3: Yeah. Booker T and the MGs, guys. Exactly.
0: The uh, strings on this are arranged and conducted by Percy Faith, who we haven't, to my recollection, talked about on the podcast before. He was a Canadian born bandleader, orchestrator, composer, and conductor. He was best known for his lush arrangements. He's actually often credited with creating the easy listening genre. At this time, he Worked at Columbia Records and provided pop arrangements for singers like Tony Bennett, Doris Day, and Johnny Mathis.
3: Yeah, it's like, how do we take these brass-heavy sounds of these loud big band, these raucous dance groups, and how do we soften it up? Make it a little more palatable for a wider audience. Smooth off those rough edges. Mm-hmm.
2: Like Johnny Mathis carving up that powder. <laughs>
0: the, the snow Hitting the slopes yeah. snow. Hitting the slopes <laughs> The version of Sleigh Ride but Not to be confused with the Previously featured version of yeah. Sleigh Ride By Alexander O'Neill
3: Both songs are about the same thing though, right?
0: No, oh. Sean. Sean No, no, no.
3: Okay, alright, if you say so I swear We don't
2: intend these Christmas episodes To be so lewd and <laughs> <laughs> it just—it happens every year it does without fail it's something in the nog something in the
0: nog but yeah so the version of sleigh Ride on this is the most popular vocal version of that song and i thought about featuring that but but then i got to his rendition of what child is this you know green sleeves and it's truly moving and it really shows off johnny mathis's range in a way that i hadn't fully appreciated until hearing this version of this song So so I'm ready to, to do that If you guys are Let's do it Alright, What Child Is This? Side B, track 2
5: What child sleep The cross for me,
3: for you. you were absolutely right, Peter. That was a very moving version of that song. I suppose you could play the Alexander O'Neill Christmas record for people who have any doubt of his vocal abilities, and you could play this for people who just think that Johnny Mathis is like a throwaway cheesy singer. Like That was some serious business there.
0: Yeah, it's not the only time on this album that he takes it to the next level. His version of Oh Holy Night was a close second to this.
3: Mm. Yeah, and those those arrangements were masterful, too. I, not everyone digs that easy listening sound, but you can't deny the, the musical mastery of Percy Faith and Johnny Mathis.
0: And the orchestra. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget <laughs> about this that orchestra. orchestra. <laughs> His orchestra. <laughs> Mark, how many Johnny Mathis, um, for our listeners, Mark owns about 20 to 25,000 records. So I don't expect him to have the exact number of in- inventory of his enti- entire collection. But how many Johnny Mathis Christmas albums do you estimate you own?
4: I am looking at Johnny Mathis in my Discogs right now. And let's see, I own the Four Christmas album. I also have. Let's see here. I'm scrolling through. Merry Christmas, the album that is featured. And that's it. I just have those two. I have only two Johnny Mathis Christmas albums in my collection. Not enough. Not enough. I need to do better. <laughs> God. You have been judged. I have been harshly and Found lacking. <laughs> and found severely lacking. I need to get my button gear. And get more Johnny Mathis... We thought you were a real Johnny
3: Mathis head.
4: Come on. I know. I have let you guys down.
0: (laughs) Johnny Mathis poser can only name two of his Christmas
4: albums. (laughs) (laughs) I have failed you and all the Johnny Mathis fans out there. I am sorry that I have failed you
0: all kidding aside, Mark, I have to say, you're a true professional that you pulled up your Discogs list like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I guess it's time to, to turn to you and see what you brought us for Christmas.
4: Oh, thank you, Peter. Um, well, I brought for you and Sean and Jeremy, as well as all the wonderful listeners, if I buy that for a dollar an album that evokes wonderful memories from my childhood, and that is the South Soul Orchestra's Christmas Jolly Records, the best-selling holiday album of 1976 and 1977. So I have a unique story as to how this album came into my life. I was born and raised in Greenville, Mississippi, And my dad is also a huge lover of music, and he's a vinyl collector as well. And growing up as a kid in Greenville, we treasured and loved the month of December and Christmas. My parents always and still do put up a huge Christmas tree, Christmas lights, lights outside the house. They really go fully into Christmas. And growing up, my dad would listen to one station pretty much one station only in our hometown, and that was WBAD, 94.3 FM, Leland. WBAD. Greenville, WBAD, BAD bad, FM. (laughs) (laughs) And one December, we were on our way to the mall in Greenville, Mississippi, and he had it on WBAD. And this song comes on the airwaves it was just so upbeat and so much fun. And I was like, what is this? And I asked my dad, I was like, what is this? And he says, I think it might be the South Soul Orchestra, but I'm not sure. And the DJ at the time did not back announce. So for years, I just was like, what was that song? And my dad and I would take regular trips to Memphis, Tennessee to go digging for records together. We still do that to this day, by the way. He's in his mid to late seventies. And and every time I go home to Greenville, he's like, let's go to Memphis and let's go digging for records. But this particular trip we went, this was years ago. We went to a record store, saw the album in the bins. I was like, I've just got to buy it and take a chance. And sure enough, I found that song that I had heard on WBAD 94.3 FM. And it's a disco Christmas album. And um, I, I love disco music. Shout out to my disco queen, Leora Haas, my, my fellow disco sister out there. But um, I love disco music, and this album just really means the world to me. And buying it as a young teenager in Greenville and playing it every Christmas, it just brings back the best memories. It brings back that memory of being in the car with my dad and my little sister who was with us at the time and going to the Greenville Mall and just having the best time and the best, the best Christmas. So I, that's the album I brought for everybody to, to um, enjoy, hopefully. What was the song? The song is, okay, it is a Christmas medley, and that's the first track I'd like to share with you. And the Christmas medley, it is, it is a lengthy one. It is 12 minutes and five seconds long. <laughs> so what's Good your favorite Lord. two
3: minutes from that song, from that song?
4: <laughs> we can yeah. just play the first two minutes, and you just get the feel for what it's like. So I'd like to share with all of you Side B, Track 1, Christmas Medley by the South Soul Orchestra.
3: do you know if tom moulton did the original mix or just remixes
4: i know that he remixed it
3: yeah he's credited on the spotify version of it but it says tom moulton remix 2022 remaster so i don't know if he's on the original record or not
4: I know when it was originally released a CD, I think he remixed it at that time. Uh, Ah, for the CD. Yeah, but there's a brand new three CD set that just came out literally a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think with the original mixes and the remixes.
0: Fascinating. I don't know if that's... Wow, so this is is still a hot commodity.
4: Yeah. (laughs) A three CD special (laughs) set was just released around this album.
0: Very cool. Well, that was a fun up-tempo. I mean, we only heard the f- the first couple selections <laughs> of that
1: medley. <laughs> but.
2: It wasn't as far. I expected it to be stranger and more disco-y, I guess. It was kind of oh, well. traditional
4: with yeah a beat to it. Yes. Uh, well, apparently, <laughs> towards the end... There's banjo. Towards the end. There is a banjo that is prominently featured in basically the last half of this medley, and it blew my mind. I was like, "Oh, there's banjo in this."
0: I mean, I guess even you know, disco songs are traditionally a little lengthy, but when you're getting into the twelve-minute territory, a good banjo never
4: hurts. <laughs> Change it up. <laughs> Change yeah. it up. Mix it up a little bit. You know. Yeah. Yes. I love this record. It was produced and arranged by Mr. Vincent Montana Jr. And he was basically the architect of the Salso Sound, and the Salso Orchestra was pretty much his baby. And the vocalists you hear on there were the Sweet Hearts of Sigma. It was a trio of lovely young ladies who pretty much sang on. Lots of hits during the 70s. And the Sweethearts of Sigma featured vocalists Barbara Ingram, Yvette Benton, and Carla Benson. Now, these ladies sang on a ton of hits in the 70s. You can hear their vocals on Billy Paul's Me and Mrs. Jones, a former I'd Buy That For A Dollar vocalist who's been featured. They were featured on I'll Be Around by The Spinners, Ain't No Stopping Us Now by McFadden and Whitehead, they were featured on Evelyn Champagne King's Shame. They even sang throughout the 80s on Patti LaBelle's New Attitude. And they were even on Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald's On My Own. But some of my favorite vocals they put on record were with Lou Rawls, another I'd Buy That $4 Dollar Um on his hit You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine. So you hear these ladies everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I... I think a number of the players in the Sal Soul Orchestra have made appearances on previous selections and I'd Buy That for a Dollar.
3: Yes. And I should also state that uh Sal Soul Orchestra has close ties to Philadelphia International. There's a few big-name Philly Soul players on this record. Vincent Montana Jr. was also a member of MFSB before founding the Sal Soul Orchestra, so... You're getting some prime Philly disco going on in this record.
4: Heck yeah. And I don't know what it is about this, this entire album just really just puts me in the mood for Christmas. And what's, Even better is you can find this record so easily. Whenever record stores put out their Christmas records, you will always see this record.
3: Yes, probably four or five copies of it.
4: Four or five (laughs) copies of it for pretty much for a dollar, maybe a couple of dollars more if it's in, you know, excellent condition, but it is a very cheap record to find. And I mean, this record was so successful. There was a sequel that was released, Christmas Jollies too. so I mean, (laughs) it's wild. It's, It's a great album.
0: Yeah, when when you see it, it is not a Bangles record. That is not Susanna Hoff's on the cover. It just looks a lot like her. <laughs>
4: it does. It, it and does. it seems
0: it seems to me like the green outfit that she has is superimposed onto her. I can't I can't be certain of that, but it really looks like it is.
3: It it definitely is. That has been something I have noticed and has been kind of a mystery to me with this record the whole time. Cause it is like so poorly drawn over. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> obviously painted on like what, what is going on? I think I might've just solved the mystery. Cause if you go to the Discogs page for this record and click on the images, like you get the cover, the back cover, the labels, and then there's a promo insert in some of these records that I'm seeing a picture of where you could mail in to get an official dance your ass to South soul records shirt. Yes. And that image has a button on it. So they probably just had to edit out uh, yes. the butt so that they could sell Christmas <laughs> music to normies. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. You
0: figured it out right here, live on this episode.
4: <laughs> yep.
3: A little Christmas miracle for everybody. It's a
2: Christmas juicy sluicy, <laughs>
4: <laughs> Juicy sluicy. Oh my god. Another Jeremyism. Just right on time. I love it.
2: <laughs> oh, I-, I can't take credit. That's former guest Ryan Warner.
0: <laughs> wait no no that was uh rex ferrari oh sorry that was rex
3: ferrari former guest <laughs> you know i have a further correction for you i'm the one that said it and rex ferrari laughed at it and repeated it no i said it you said it what all right <laughs> oh, we're all wrong it's never been said before jeremy just made just it go up back. now moving on just
0: go you'll have to go back and listen to our April Rocking Fool's. Dead, Heavy Petting, April Fool's episode and find out who actually <laughs> said Juicy exclusive first.
4: <laughs>
3: Christmas homework for our listeners.
4: Yeah. Indeed, that's a great episode. A great episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, as I said before, this was the best-selling holiday record for 1976 and 1977. Uh, this album is... Really well loved by a lot of people still to this day. Um, And as a matter of fact, there's a special edition that was just released for the people who still buy CDs. Raise my hand. I still buy tons of CDs. And there's a three-CD set (laughs) dedicated to this album, its follow-up album. And I think it has all the original songs. And we were talking about when it was originally released on cd years ago tom moulton the legendary tom moulton did some remixes on some of the tracks for the um for the album so yeah yes and
3: uh, for those that don't know tom moulton is the originator of the remix the disco breakdown section and the 12-inch single vinyl format he is a major major figure in the development and early history of disco and dance music
4: I admire him and his work so so much. He is oh, just so influential when it comes to dance music, and uh, yeah, it's it's great he remixed some of these tracks. He's
0: he's also very influential on Lava.
3: <laughs> yep, what? Oh, Lava. Lava, great Lama. job, Peter. Oh.
4: Goodness, Peter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that may be a sign that we should head towards the finish line here. <laughs> <Yeah. My God. laughs> Did you,
4: Mark, you had you have yes. one more selection. Do you, I, I do, I do. And the, there are so many tracks on this album that I really love. There is a rendition of Sleigh Ride, which is my favorite, but Sean featured that awesome, awesome rendition of Sleigh Ride by Alexander O'Neill. So I wanted to share with all of you my other favorite track on this album, which is a track entitled Merry Christmas All. Now, this track was written by Vincent Montana and it was sung by his daughter, Denise. And what I love about this is it's just such a nice, relaxed groove to it. And it kind of has a very jazzy feel to it. And I thought that it would be a perfect way to kind of sort of wrap up the, the Christmas jollies in a weird way. So Merry Christmas all. That's my second selection to share with all of you. And Merry Christmas all is Side A, Track 4. Mm-hmm.
0: almost picture the montage in a holiday
3: movie with that playing (laughs) over it
0: but i don't i don't mean that in a negative way like i really liked the vibe of that one
3: yeah it's got montage vibes for sure
4: yeah definitely definitely montage vibes really smooth really laid back and every time i hear walking baseline "Yeah, yeah 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 Uh, and her voice, I really like her voice. She's just got this really, really nice voice.
3: Yeah, and th- that song is like kind of sad too, a little bit. It's
4: got a little sadness to it, and you know, I figured uh, you gotta have a little melancholy with the happiness.
3: Mm-hmm. And, you know, why
4: not? Why not? Merry Christmas oh, yeah. all!
0: Yeah, there, there should be a little, a little more sadness in Christmas as you know, previously <laughs> addressed in my selection of blue Christmas. Yeah. It's altogether too happy of a
3: holiday. Happy. Too
0: okay. happy. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to get Jeremy on board with anything, just add the sadness into it. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Well, Mark, this is a really cool selection and it's, it's one Thank of those ones you. that's, it, it's kind of in plain sight, but a lot of people, you know, might not pick it up nowadays more people might pick it up if the butt was on the cover but i don't think yeah. that would have sold <laughs> 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 sold to the masses in the mid-70s well then yeah. i don't know i missed the 70s it was a pretty wild time from what i understand
4: <laughs> <laughs> i really recommend this album not to everyone just not to just to everyone listening but if i'm in the record store and it is christmas time um, one of my best friends who goes by the name of Nick Canada. I never will forget several years ago, we were in a record store. He was looking through the Christmas records and he says, Hey man, what do you recommend? And he came across the South Soul Orchestra Christmas Jollies album. I said, dude, get this. You will not regret it. And sure enough, a week or so later, he hit me up. He was like, you were right on about that Christmas record. He says, I really dig it. And to this day, he still listens to it every year and he always reaches out and, says hello and says, man, I really still dig that record. So pick it up really? if you see it. It's a really good record. Yeah. And yeah. it just brings back memories of childhood. I love it. I just love it.
0: Well, yeah, this is a, a great addition to our Christmas episode and it will be to all those who pick it up record collection. So I think it's about time that we follow tradition you, does Who can tell me what that means when, as we go out on this episode? What does that mean that we well, forget a never forgotten sacred tradition of our Christmas episodes? As
3: I said at the top of the episode, I am a long time guardian of sacred Christmas traditions. So I would obviously know that it's time to listen to some John Denver Christmas on our way out. That is our unbroken tradition. Yep, not a single year oh. has it been broken aside from maybe the third year.
0: <laughs> when when Willie Nelson usurped it with Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have you know, we can we can do this for however many years there are tracks on this <laughs>
3: without before we repeat. And then we get the John Denver and the Muppets Christmas record and we play every track yes! on that and we're good for a while. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Offhand, I can't remember which ones we we featured uh, the other years. Uh, I mean, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: I would argue that we almost always do a silent night, and we haven't done a silent night this year. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if we've done his, but we're going to do it. He calls it Silent Night, Holy Night. Yeah, that's the one.
0: Ooh. So this is from John Denver's Rocky Mountain Christmas. I've never looked at the gatefold of this. It's pretty cute. <laughs> cool, cool, That's, that's a my review. That's <laughs> pretty cute. It's cute. It's cute. So that's what we're gonna do. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from I'd buy that for a dollar. Mark, again, uh, is do you have anything that you want to
4: plug while you are here, by any chance? Finally, you heard it here first. Saturday, January 6th, 2024, the first episode of 12 Inches of Pleasure will finally drop on all listening, wherever you listen to your podcasts. There has been lots of progress made, and I am very excited to share that news. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I've been working on it, and Saturday, January 6th, 2024, you heard it here first, Dang. finally.
0: Well, I, I I will say, Silent Night, Holy Night, Holy Shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I figured as my Christmas present to you, I wasn't going to razz you about it this, <laughs> this time, but when you said it's coming out, my eyes went big, and I was like, what?
4: Mm-hmm. With so. a special, special shout-out to Mr. Jason Hines, DJ Whizbang novelties, whom I love very much. He has been very supportive and very helpful. And he's he's been a big help. So I love you, baby. And uh, thanks for pushing me on. And I also have to give a huge shout out to Miss Leora Haas, who is wonderful and awesome and also very supportive and super sweet. Gotta say hello to people like Miss Mel, whom I love, and Luke. And, you know... Just my family, and I'm just grateful to uh, be here with all of you awesome, awesome gents. You guys are amazing people. I care for you guys a lot, even though we've never met, but you guys are truly awesome. And I'm truly grateful and thankful to know all of you and to be on this podcast. Thank you so very much.
3: Absolutely. You were our first pick for the Christmas episode this year. It's always a special episode, and we want to have a special guest to share it with us.
4: Well, thank you, guys, and thank you. And Merry Christmas to all of you, your families, your loved ones, and just wish you all the best. You guys are awesome. And to all your listeners out there, happy holidays to all of you.
2: Wow. My heart just grew three sizes, which, since oh, it shrank sure. earlier, now I'm just back to normal. But, yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, overall, if, if uh, Jeremy's just back to normal at the end of each episode i think that's a good place to be that's
2: that's what i aim for <laughs> yes yes
0: indeed. all right well excellent merry christmas to all and to all a silent night with john denver my name is peter cook
2: my name is jeremy ruggles it's time for me and peter to go because stanley kubrick's finest work calls us indeed Ooh.
3: Yeah, we gotta we gotta synchronize our watches so it's the same start time in Kalamazoo and Philadelphia. Hell yeah! Oh
4: my! Oh my! I'm Mark. would this be, DJ Mahogany? Thank you for having me.
3: Sean, Sean, do you wanna? No. Oh, I I haven't introduced myself, signed off yet. <laughs> I I guess I can do that. And I am. Let's see. See if I can remember here. I am <laughs> Sean Hartman, aka DJ Hard Bargain, and a Merry Christmas yeah. to all.
6: At the side, glorious streams from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts, sing hallelujah.